Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Phenomenal Fan Podcast. My name is Ryan. His name is Jared. And neither of our names are Ben Simmons. Thank God, because we're going to be talking about Ben Simmons and his inability to play the sport of basketball. Not because he's bad, because he just doesn't play. We'll talk about Elon Musk making a small purchase that you guys might have heard about. It's not really that much money. It didn't really impact the world at all. Uh, Nicole Jokic is the MVP. No way to describe or to deny it. Uh, and then we'll talk about the NFL draft. NFL draft starts on Thursday. Give our sort of in-depth in-depth look at the strengths and weaknesses of each position. Some positions have more talent coming into this year's draft than others. Who we think should be the picks for each team. So on and so on. So thank you guys for tuning in to the Phenomenal Fan Podcast. And let's jump right into it. Okay, Jared, we're back. We're back with episode number 23 of the Phenomenal Fan Podcast. Like I said, we were talking a little Ben Simmons uh, because he sucks. And uh, we have other topics too. You know, we have other topics, but we wanted to really uh, just dive into, I guess you could say the NBA playoffs, generally speaking, but more specifically, the Nets getting bounced in four games by the Boston Celtics. Looks like it's going to be the only sweep of the first round of the playoffs. Uh, there could have been other ones with... Air, sisters. Oh, they're so small. <laughs> what? <laughs> Nothing. Uh, What's going on? What, what just happened? I don't know. I heard something, but it's all good. Uh, what, what, did I, I, I don't, yeah, you just reacted it's all super weird. I didn't no, I heard, that. I heard somebody talking. It might've been in back of mine. I don't know. Um, Hawks and heat was going to be a sweep, right? Miami, maybe not. Who was, what was the one series? Oh, Philadelphia was up three games to none. And then they've already, it's already been forced to a game six because they suck. So, uh, Philly and Raptors are going to a game six tomorrow. Nope. Thursday. Uh, but the first team eliminated from the NBA playoffs is the Brooklyn Nets. Brooklyn Nets. Kevin Durant was James Harden. Not anymore. Kyrie and Ben Simmons. But Ben Simmons didn't play, Jared. He didn't play basketball for the Brooklyn Nets this year. He didn't play basketball for anybody this year because his back was hurt or his uh it was a it was a, ro- it was a rotating excuse injury is what it was i don't know what actually i don't i don't forget what it exactly was the, the first thing but then i know that they i think they were all pissed off because they at least wanted to have him in uniform and then he he just there was all of a sudden there was something new right it wasn't it something completely different and that's that's why well the original thing I think uh, with 
the 76ers was it was like mental stuff like it wasn't even it wasn't like his physical body was hurt i'm pretty sure it was just like he didn't want to play for them then he was like mentally uh like incapable or he was struggling with some stuff off the court and then in his process of returning he like hurt his back i think then he rehabbed the back and then he hurt it again and it's a touchy subject it's a touchy situation because you don't want to be insensitive about people struggling about mental health and everything that's gone on it's it's a newer thing that we've become more familiar with in the world of sports that I think is also how sports have changed potentially for the better. Uh, we talked about it, or at least I mentioned it in one of our previous episodes about how sports are just different. Now they seem a little bit different and that might be because of the stuff that we're seeing with athletes getting a little bit more uh, pressure, more exposure I don't really know what the answer is or the reasoning. Players are certainly getting chirped more, I think, at least from what we've seen on social media. Maybe we didn't see it before. Mm -hmm. But one thing that was mentioned by uh, Woj on ESPN in one of the segments that they had on their like NBA, NBA Tonight Show or whatever was the video of Kevin Durant like yelling back at a fan, right? Or maybe we saw, yeah. maybe it was, so it might have been somebody else. Me, it might have been Kyrie, like Kyrie doing his thing no, too. Was, well, oh, Kyrie did it, but KD, KD yelled at a fan. They both, they both did it this year. Yeah, they uh, both KD, like recently. KD, KD, yeah, KD uh, was said, "You need to, you need to sit down, sit down and shut the fuck up." Which who knows what that fan was saying? You know, like if you take that out of context, if that guy was chirping KD the whole game, right? And like you, we don't know, you know, but all we get to see is the clip but the here's the thing is you're the fucking professional here you're the one getting paid the big bucks you can't you're the one in the spotlight nobody gives a fuck about with this fan you can't turn around and rip him Kyrie you make fucking millions of dollars like like not just millions like 30 plus million dollars a year you can't tell fans to to suck your dick like you just can't yeah. you can't do it i get and gr granted like once again i know that's frustrating I, I, I can imagine it's frustrating especially with the with them just getting their ass kicked all series and i'm i'm guessing that Kyrie is probably boiling over just on the fact that he had to be teammates with ben simmons yeah in general. yeah but like and, and i heard uh charles i think it was shack or or chuck the other day on the tnt like yeah, crew, yeah. talking about how they really feel bad for anybody that's ben simmons teammate and i do too because like you, like you're right you gotta you do have to be sensitive about mental issues but like in the case of ben simmons it's it's just fucking i'm over it you know well it's also like it, it's it auto, sounds like the mental stuff thing. it sounds like the mental stuff is done like he and it's also a bit of a uh boy who cried wolf scenario because he comes out initially and the season starts and he's like well i don't really want to play in philadelphia and they're like okay well like you kind of have to or else you're like not going to get paid and then he was like well like i don't know if i can mentally play and they're like, oh, so is it like, like, are you having mental health problems or do you just not want to play? And then he was kind of like, well, just trade me. And then he gets traded to Brooklyn. He's fine. And then he gets physically injured. And like you said, Jared, it's just like, if you're a teammate or whatever, it's a touchy subject. And I think Joel Embiid kind of got 
in a little bit of trouble at the beginning of this season when he was kind of saying that about Ben Simmons. He was like, dude, either you can fucking play or you can't, but get off the team if you're not going to play. Like, we don't want people around that don't want to be here. And people were like, oh, it's not that he doesn't want to be here. He's just like mentally, he's not he's not able to play. And the reason I brought up that other stuff about Durant and Kyrie and Woj on ESPN is Woj was talking about the sports gambling stuff and how he he tied in sports gambling with like people chirping athletes nowadays. Like Kyrie, I need two more buckets and I'm I hit my parlay, you know, shit like that. Where it's like it's kind of funny, but it's also like you know the the athletes are maybe tired of hearing. I I, I don't know. But the point is, yeah. for sure, one thing that I will say for sure that has impacted athletes' mental health to Ben Simmons uh, in in arguing in favor of Ben Simmons is the pressure and the outside influences have gotten much more severe and significant. I mean, you look at – we'll talk about it on our, on our Between the Stitches baseball show uh, here shortly after this one. But you have a situation where the Yankees fans are like – throwing shit on the field like where and the, and the fans are flipping Kyrie off and chirping him and trying to get in his like I'm not saying you can't be involved a little bit when you're a fan but maybe Ben Simmons just mentally isn't able to handle that kind of pressure and he doesn't want to play and that's fine but it's not built for everybody and then when it comes that oh it's actually physically an injury his back hurts it just Ben Simmons is not Ben Simmons is not putting himself in a good situation publicly. He's not. And it's not going to set himself up for success in the future. Nobody's going to want to be his teammate. No franchises are going to want to take a chance on him. And he's doing a lot more damage than he is good to his playing career. I know he's hurt. I know he was dealing with mental stuff at the beginning of the season. But a good example, Jared, is um, what's your name? Simone Biles. Right. The Olympics were going on and she's like, I mentally like I, it's too much pressure. It's just a lot of stuff going on. I can't compete right now. And everybody was kind of like, wow, like that's crazy. But got to do what you got to do. And guess what? Since then, Simone Biles took the two weeks that she needed, came back, dominated and has dominated and has participated. So take your time, come back, get your injury. And I think the last thing, too, Jared, is that Ben Simmons back injury, like it's not. It's not like they've come out and been like, he herniated a disc or he tore a muscle in his lower back. It's just kind of like, sounds like it just yeah. kind of like hurts. Yeah. Well, here's, here's my thing with it. Yeah, I get it. You have, you have the, whatever you're, whatever you're going through, but I don't feel bad for you. No, you're in a, you're in a better position with generate. You're literally getting like receiving generational wealth. To, to play a fucking game. I don't feel bad for you. Nope. Yeah, there might be pressure for sure. But there's a lot of people in this world that have fucking problems. You know? There's a lot. There's plenty of people out there that have mental shit going on. And, and you have an opportunity to be stress-free in, in an area that a lot of people, a majority of the world struggle in. Which is fi financially. If you really look at the percentages, you have an area to be to live a luxurious life, to play a game, and be retired by fucking 40. And never have to touch and do anything again. And you and you're being a prima donna. You're you're being a prima donna, and it, it's been that way when he was when he was with Philly. He comes here. The Nets had to pay. You know, like the Sixers and the Nets had to pay. I don't know who who took what in the contract this year, but he got paid out the ass. He sits on the bench, and then he fucking shows up, dressed like a dressed like a fucking popsicle. 
you know? And it's like, you know what, man, if you're having like these mental issues, you don't want the, the attention, you don't want people ra raining down on you and the attention and there's too much pressure there. Well, don't dress like that. Fucking put a hoodie on and, and or whatever, you know, like, yeah. And just be, and, and just be there. And, and if you're frustrated, you can't play or whatever, because you are, you actually are injured. Then, then so, you know, so be it, but don't like, don't stand out. It's like on top of everything you're, you're like, you're going to wear that and expect people not to just fucking roast you on the internet. And if that's an issue that you're dealing with, then maybe don't dress like that. Maybe he needs somebody to be there to advise him. But I don't, I do not feel bad for a guy that has a chance to make fucking 20 to 35 million dollars i don't know how much his contract is a year to play a game like i don't i just don't give a fuck i don't feel bad for you so um for him to not like yeah for him to not show up i know the nets are probably pissed about it and, and i imagine some team will take a uh, like you know if he's not with the nets i don't know what his contract situation exactly is but if the nets don't uh take him back there will be a shit team that'll take a flyer on him and he'll make some money and we'll see what happens but i, I hate to see a guy like this fucking defizzle his career because it see it to me it, it feels like a, a lot like an ego thing you know yeah and no. and, and uh, like you know he's obviously had flashes of being like a really 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 good player um in his career but i don't know man i just don't i don't feel bad i don't feel pity i don't feel some sort of soft spot for this guy because you have you have the world literally in your hands and you're pissing it away by being a by being a prima donna and I don't know what is all going on with him and maybe there is some like you know mental side of it like you said you got to be somewhat cognizant and, and sensitive to that but like there's plenty of people going through shit yeah you know, just because you're in the spotlight doesn't mean that it gets to be emphasized and we should feel bad for you when you have a better situation is what I'm saying no I agree with that and I think some people will hear that and those people will say I don't feel bad for Ben Simmons. And people will take that as you being insensitive. And they're like, well, well, you can't, you have to feel bad for the guy. The problem is the exact point that you mentioned, Jared. The problem with Ben Simmons is it's impossible to feel bad for a guy who's getting paid that much money in a situation that he's in when he complains about mental health. When in reality, a lot of the mental health problems that people seem to go through come across as more of a lacking perspective on life than actually having mental problems. When somebody's a multimillionaire with the opportunity to perform in front of other people and have celebrity status and gain generational wealth, like you mentioned, playing a sport and they lack the situational and global uh, perspective and awareness that the people paying to come watch them play or the people who spend money on their gear are not anywhere near as lucky as they are and haven't had the opportunities that they've had and weren't born with the bodies that they have. And so I'm not asking Ben Simmons to walk around thanking the Lord or thanking his parents for the, the you know, the amazing genetic pool that he fell into. But at the same time, you have guys like Ben Simmons who are so far on one side of the spectrum. And then you have guys that are, grind their ass off on the other side of the spectrum guys like uh i don't know who's a good example jared in the nba a guy who was like undrafted has made his career a big success one you know like maybe oh here's actually a decent example Giannis, i would say is a decent example comes from a humble family no money and appreciates yeah he appreciates the opportunities that he has and even if he was injured or he was in this situation and it was too much mentally you know He's probably he already dealt. Hard. He's probably already dealt with mental problems in some capacity, but he's also realized I am so lucky to be where I am. 
and it's not it, it's there's differences between us just demanding that these guys go play man go play for our entertainment because you're little puppets and you're a little you're a little entertainers and this is the giant fucking circus that's not it it's more about that some people actually play the sport of basketball and grow up their entire lives with nothing and have realized that basketball has given them the opportunities to do what Ben Simmons does. And it just Ben Simmons, his situation specifically looks like he's coming across that he lacks all perspective on life and he lacks any gratitude or appreciation about how truly lucky he is to be in the situation that he is. And he's made the most of his opportunities to a certain extent, right? He went to college, he went to the NBA, he did okay, but it just doesn't seem like Ben Simmons has made any sort of legitimate effort to improve his situation. And that's when I don't feel bad for anybody when they don't, when they have a bad situation going on, mental health, physical injury, a bad franchise, any of those outside factors that you can't necessarily, you know, maybe control, right? A lot of it's hormonal brain, you know, your brain gets messed up. Sometimes we get it. It happens. Your body gives out on you. It happens. The team around you is dog shit. Okay. That's fine. But then do something about it. Leave the team, get rehab, Go to a therapist, get help. And if it gets to a point where you just simply can't fix it, then I guess you have to retire. But it sounds like Ben Simmons is not that situation. And then he was able to get over the mental health problems he was having. And then it turned into a physical problem. And then he can't resolve the physical issue. And then I think, Jared, the icing on this entire situation and why it got so much attention is that the rumors leading up to this entire series was that he was going to play. For the Nets, that was the rumors. Yeah. Everybody was he like, was, he was, he's going to play game play two. Game, he's going to play game three. Man. He's going to play game four. Yep. And he just doesn't fucking play. And everybody's like, dude, what is happening? How is this happening? How are we reporting that you're, there's rumors that you are so close? And then game four happens, and he's not even on the bench. He's not even there. How does that well, happen, and, dude? You know, and, and you want to know something else, Ryan, that that – I guarantee uh, people are pissed off about uh, not, not people, but players, players are pissed off about. And so I think this is once again, I lo- like, I do like, I do enjoy watching the NBA. Sometimes it can be a shitty product, but I, I like to, I like to bet on it. I like to Dude, watch the playoffs the have like been great. Watch the, I've watched the, the playoffs, playoffs have been, been pretty good. good. And, and <laughs> it's, you know, it's entertaining. It's fast paced. There's a lot of scoring that you see some crazy dunks, you know, like some good shooting. The game's, the games are good. They, they do a decent job of, like, we, we call it a shitty product because mostly because of the way that the referees can dictate games. We've, we've yep. said that before, mm-hmm. but the thing that, uh, I, after the game the other night, I'm watching, uh, well, watching TNT with the Shaq and them. Somebody brought this up as well. And I, I totally agree with this, that when the collective bargaining agreement comes back around for the NBA, that they're going to, that they're going to Ben Simmons himself might fuck a bunch of people out of money because there, there's going to be. They said they're going to call it the Ben Simmons rule about pay for play. Because Ben Simmons sat on the bench this year, didn't play, and collected a huge paycheck still, and got all that money guaranteed. But when they make, when they come back around, just like how baseball had their collecting, like you know, their bargaining agreement between the the owners and the and the players, when they come back around, you're going to have owners that say, "I spent fucking twenty, you know, he's made twenty nine million dollars. I spent twenty nine million dollars to have a guy just ride the pine." So there's going to be some clauses about pay for play and he's going to end up fucking up to a lot of guaranteed money for these guys. 
um, potentially, you know, so that's, a, that's another really frustrating part about it for if I'm in the league, why, like, I don't want Ben Simmons on my team. Why? That's why Ben Simmons would frustrate me is like, you're fucking with other people's living because you're, you're going through whatever, but it's like, I don't know. It's just, uh, and it's, that's just another point on top of all the other shit we're talking about. You know, he's like we said, extremely lucky to be where he's at. If he's going through something, get, get the help. But like, I don't know. It's just, it, it's, it's a, it's just a, it's a hard situation to feel bad for the guy. You, you sat on a bench and you collected fucking $29 million. So I agree. Uh, and I know, and I know, I know plenty of people, plenty of people in the M- NBA are fucking dishing out. Uh, I mean, mostly like old, like, you know, older guys, but like you have, you have all sorts of people that are just uh, ripping on, ripping on them that are like, usually like uh, broadcasters that they're just kind of frustrated and annoyed with it. Joel Embiid earlier this year expressed, expressed how frustrated it made him. So I don't know. I don't feel bad for him. I feel that there's a lot of other people, a lot of, a lot more people in the world that I feel bad for. I don't feel bad for a guy that has this type of opportunity and that's kind of pissing it away. So that's, that's my last thing to say about it, I guess. Um, I agree 100%. And yeah, it's a tough situation. Do I think the Nets would have not got swept, not gotten swept? Do I think the Nets would have won a game in the series if Ben Simmons would have played? I don't know. Probably not. Celtics are a better team. Celtics dominated the series. Ben Simmons wouldn't have made maybe that much of a difference. Just the fact that he would have played would have just silenced everything. And now he's got to deal with that shit for the rest of the offseason and the Nets are left with this giant empty void of like what w- could have happened maybe if he played maybe yeah. maybe exactly well uh, well imagine imagine the and on top of it all imagine the fucking revamping of love he would have had if he would have came back and like put and up just a 30 ball- bomb it, it, or just just balled lock did something like did something like lock down Jason Tatum or, or you know and, and, one and they big end up block, back. one they end up they end up they end up coming back in the series the entire city of fucking new york would love him so um i don't know it's just just hate, hate to see someone squander squander a potential opportunity to be a star athlete away like that and who, who knows who knows what his career is. i know if i'm an owner i know if i'm an owner i'm not taking a fucking shot on him i'll i'll pay I'll pay three players your salary, three good, good, hungry players that will, you know, that are out here. Like, know who I actually love? I love a guy like, like Montrez Harrell. How hard does that guy play? Incredibly hard. How competitive, how could, yeah, how competitive is that guy? I bet you he doesn't make fucking a fifth of what Ben Simmons makes. So it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm over it. Yeah. I think most people are like, like just, very dumbfounded by the whole situation, confused about how it happened. Didn't really make a lot of sense to people. Like we mentioned with the reports coming out that he was supposed to play and then he didn't play. It's just weird, weird situation. And then like the entire time he's just sitting on the bench wearing sunglasses and like neon colored clothing items. It's like, what is going on? Is this a fucking internet dream? (laughs) The internet ripped him apart. Somebody, I saw somebody said that, um, Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons looks like every scene in Alien versus, or is it, or is it, 
what is the movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger, Alien vs. Predator, or is it just Predator, the Predator, where the aliens looking for Arnold and he's got the heat vision on in the in the forest? Yeah, seriously. That's what they, said. They, said, they said that every the Ben Simmons looks like that. Yeah, no, it's true. Seriously, he's just always wearing neon shit. Oh, and we wanted to mention too that it's not just us who thinks this, uh, because Reggie Miller, like NBA legend, just did not hold back on Ben Simmons uh, on Twitter. And they pronounce they pronounce they announced that he was out for Game Four last night, and Reggie Miller went up on Twitter, posted a picture of Ben Simmons, and he said, "Come on, man, out for Game Four when it was rumored you were going to make your debut. This dude has zero competitive fire. As small a chance as the Nets have to come back in the series, you still have KD, Kyrie. All you need is to win one game and take it from there. Hashtag Man Up." So clearly, Reggie Miller is on the same page with us and a lot of other people. Ben Simmons probably should have played, but he didn't. And now he's going to hear about it for the rest of the offseason and maybe the rest of his career. Did you see see Stephen A. Smith lose it? I did. Ben Simmons saying he quit. And then, then like, all the news now is... He calls calls Ben Simmons pathetic. And then all the news is now is how Jamie Foxx replied. It's like... Okay. <laughs> like, why? Well, like, okay. Like, I love that. I, lo- I just love when, like, I just love when, like, J- like, oh, fuck, Jamie Foxx said something. Who gives a fuck? I, lo- I love Jamie Foxx, but, like, who gives, like, who doesn't love Jamie Foxx? But, like, at the same time, like, who gives a fuck if he comes at Stephen A. Smith to defend Ben Simmons? They're probably buddies. And yeah, they probably that's, are uh, buddies. That's, and that's, Steve, that's Stephen A. Smith's fucking job, so... It's, yeah, and it's kind awesome of our and... it's kind of our job too, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So Ben Simmons didn't play. Um, speaking of Reggie Miller, so Reggie Miller blows him up on Twitter and uses Twitter, Jared, as his platform to blow somebody up on Twitter. Now, currently owned. And operated by Elon Musk, purchased. What is he? Just the CEO of Tesla? Elon Musk? Is that his? Like, is he the owner of the company? The CEO? It says he's the. Oh, Tesla? he's the CEO. He's, Just CEO. And like yeah, majority and, shareholder, and, probably. And, and and SpaceX and yeah, fucking all sorts. Neuralink, all sorts of shit. Yeah, so he's the richest guy ever, or on the planet, at least net worth wise, and he offered. The board at Twitter, $44 billion <laughs> to buy the company. And it, it's a monumental purchase. It's obviously massive. He's a big proprietor of like always mentioning free speech and all this stuff. He's got a bunch of different motives. We didn't really want to talk about maybe his motives or what it means for. Well, it does mean a lot for the for Twitter because now he has the power and the potential to possibly make some paid subscription services out of Twitter, make some more money off of Twitter. I don't know if he really has that kind of intentions, but one thing is for fucking damn sure. $44 billion. That's how much he paid. That's how much Elon Musk paid for Twitter. $44 billion for an object or a piece of property 
that's intellectual. It's not even like a physical thing. It's not even real. Like Twitter is just on the internet. I guess it's technically a company, but it's not like a product or a service. Like a, I mean, I guess it's a service. Like I don't even know what you would call Twitter. Like it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a blog. It's like a fucking. It's just a. It's like the most popular blog space in the world where people like where individual people can just say whatever the fuck they want and have whatever opinion they want and reply to whoever they want. Forty-four, like, like forty-four billion dollars. Like, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. That doesn't seem like it's. That doesn't seem like. I bet you, yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. You think I, that's too much? No, 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 no. I don't think it's too much. Uh, the one thing I did see weird, weird thing is I remember when Facebook bought Instagram, they bought I think Facebook bought Instagram for like how much did they buy it for? Facebook and Instagram. Dude, yeah, how much did Facebook pay for Instagram? Let's see this. This is a good group. Uh, one billion. How weird is that? Like that's what I'm saying, dude. Forty-four that... billion dollars for Twitter. And oh, but I said okay, but check this out though. Right? So Facebook bought Instagram in 2012 for one billion, right? But then they but then they turned around and they bought WhatsApp in 2014 for 19 billion. Okay, so it's like this okay. is this is the one that I saw, Jared. I'll include this in uh in the TikTok that we put out. But Elon Musk bought Twitter for 44 billion dollars. He could have taken that money instead, and he could have bought. Any combination of the following. He could have gone to the NFL and he could have bought 15 NFL football teams with $44 billion. He could have gone to the major leagues and Rob Manfred and he could have bought 25 major league baseball teams with $44 billion. 25 of the 30 teams could be owned by the same guy if he took that $44 billion to the major leagues. He could have bought 23 NBA teams or wait wait i want to make sure i get this right how many teams okay <laughs> jared he could have taken that 44 billion and he could have bought every team in the nhl every single team yeah but i don't think that's his motive no 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 so no no no. i know it's not like he's going out we mentioned saying, he's got just, i'm talking strictly how, how much strictly the dollar amount is such an absurd figure of money 44 billion dollars with a b with a b um that yeah, is like the, so the, much money the, yeah but i don't think it's like it's like weird though because it's like obviously you and i aren't experts in this but it's not like he just took out it's not like he fucking went to his checking account you know it's like he went to his checking account and just transferred 44 billion dollars that's not how it, it's it's obviously like a fine like a giant financing like no I no don't even know. That's, I, that's that's not, that's not our fucking realm so i don't, I don't even want to mess around but apparently there's like i bet i saw that a little article that said like uh if musk can't secure financing there's an article from today that he'll owe twitter a billion dollars if he can't secure financing a billion one billion yeah just like if that means like i don't know if that means that the deal falls through uh well, I, I don't know i, I don't know but all, all the people all the people bitching about it uh we don't talk politics but if you go and look on google you look at all the people bitching about him buying it cnn CSNBC. Well, because they, 
yeah, he's just been he's spoken out against he's spoken out against all those companies. You know what I mean? Yeah, because yeah, because they all fucking skew things in their way, and like that's what everyone was bitching about. They're they're pissed. They're pissed off that people that he wants people to be able to say like whatever. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't like these companies that uh, have gone against. Well, the other thing about those companies is that in general, those companies have spoken out against the ultra rich, right? Like the guys that are the billionaires. They want those guys to give up a lot of their money or pay more taxes. And he just doesn't obviously want to do that. I don't know though, Jared, like how much he could successfully live off of. I'm sure it's, it's a decent, like he could probably live off of, I don't know, $2 billion. His net worth is 264 billion. So 44 billion. I don't know. Like, like you said, it's obviously not coming from his checking account, but does he like sell stock and then, use it probably, or does he leverage the stock he has to get financing he probably he probably gives i know like when so i looked at um like for i was looking at how like facebook bought when they bought uh whatsapp how it worked so like uh how much did facebook pay for whatsapp so check yeah for WhatsApp. So it says like right here it says uh so what's so when Facebook announced this plan to acquire WhatsApp, this is how they did it. They attached a purchase price of 16 billion, which was four billion in cash, and then 12 billion in, in Facebook shares in remit. Like that's what they did. Mm. Interesting. So it's like so so I'm guessing there's crazy amounts of like there's crazy structures. I'm guessing he gave them uh Tesla stock tesla stock he you know it's like he and you think too it's like he like he's the ceo and like majority shareholder like so of like of tesla so i'm guessing it's not like necessarily coming from him personally i wouldn't think i'm assuming like their company like his companies pay for like buy it because like he might be worth 246 billion but like how much is Tesla? like how much is tesla spacex Neuralink all like combined worth. oh they're worth and i'm guessing yeah that's exactly like in the trillions right probably uh, so like that's yeah, probably. probably like how much is tesla worth yeah but it's like that's that's the leverage that like when you when he's making a ridiculous purchase like that which is like i said this isn't up our realm at all but like i'm just saying like that's what that's what he's buying that with he's not i, I think, don't think i don't think it, i don't think it's like coming out of his pocket he's not selling stock and then like giving them all cash for it i don't i wouldn't assume but Fuck, I could be wrong. I bet you we can figure that out. I mean, yeah, maybe he just writes a check. <laughs> it just comes out of his account. Just, just, just Venmo's him. Yeah, PayPal. Venmo's like, are you sure you want to confirm this purchase? It's $44 billion. He yeah. owns PayPal, too. Does he? Yeah. That's. I think that was, like, one of his first things. <laughs> That's just crazy. He just, he, just yeah, gi- he... he just gives Twitter PayPal. PayPal turns into Twitter. Everyone's just tweeting. Everyone's posting on PayPal for a dollar. Elon Musk, Seth Eftenborn, Andrew co-founded. Yeah, he co-founded Pay, uh, PayPal. Nice. It just fucking does everything. So I don't, I don't get what the big gripe is about it. Like, if he's not trying to block off free speech or anything. I think he's like, just. I think he's just. I mean, it's definitely more than anything. I think it's definitely a nice, big, juicy flex. Like he wants to be able to be like, I can buy Twitter. Like, yeah. And Twitter's been a little bit kind of, a, I think, a little bit against him, or maybe they've like, 
I don't know if they suspended his count or whatever, but he they've suspended acquaintances of his and they've just they've like promoted uh posts and stuff that's like against him. And so he was kind of sick of it and was just like, I'll just fucking buy it and not deal with the, sh- the bullshit anymore, which is such a power move. Like it's such a, it's such a flex, but I mean, yeah. if you can do it's it, ever, you can do I, it. Everyone, I guess, guess everyone's got a price, huh? Like, it's hey, true. We're, we're, blocking, we're, we're blocking the things that you say, but. Well, know, he also, he also went about it so well because he was like, I am tired of Twitter's bullshit. So. I am formally submitting an offer to purchase the company. And everyone's like, uh, ha, ha, ha. He's like, no, seriously, $50 billion. And Twitter's like, ah, ha, ha. He's like, no, like, I will buy it for $50 billion. And Twitter's like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, like their, their current share price and their valuation, I think, was like $28 billion. Like, he way overpaid. But it was on purpose because he was, like, making an offer they cannot refuse. And the the yeah. the board because and everybody bought, involved was just like nine fuck. So he so he bought like nine percent before he actually submitted that. Yep. He bought nine like nine percent, which made him like the largest majority shareholder, like by a single person. He bought nine percent for like two point six. So if you just do the math there, Twitter was roughly worth thirty billion dollars. So he just yeah. offered fourteen billion over what it was worth, and they're like, okay. What would you say? You know what I mean? What would yeah. you say? You like have if, a, you if have you're, like if you're a, just on the board, if you're just on the board and you're like, hey guys, hear me out. We'll just give man. We just don't have to ever fucking even think about working again. Yeah. Like we're all we all own we all own X amount of shares. He's gonna purchase this, which is gonna boost the sh- the value of our shares, and we could literally buy fucking super yachts and just eat caviar like that exclusively for the next fucking sixty years, and then our our kids can do that too, and then their kids. And then their kids. So yeah, I don't know. I I mean I I get it, but who knows? But all right, well we're let's get off that though because that's not that's not really our. No, it's like it's it's like it's lifestyle it's, stuff that we wanted to talk about because yeah, Twitter, no, it, it is the world sure. of sports lives on Twitter and Twitter is yeah, everywhere, it really so it's important to to, no, to it just is. chat right. about it. So it'll be it'll be interesting but I, get, I bet you it's like you know he's gonna have to I settle did, in the middle i don't think anything will change by the way also I mean, like I mean, nothing is gonna change nothing it'll be maybe like some sort of like algorithm like algorithm adjustments that like don't like because i think one of his big gripes about it was that it was like they were it was promoting and putting you know like specific tweets that was was shifting focus and like emphasizing certain opinions yeah influencing that politics that, that, yeah for sure yeah that was exactly exactly so i think that's his big gripe about it so i don't know yeah it's not it's not a big deal it's, it's like it is a big deal it's a lot of money but it's just not going to change much and people are kind of overreacting i think so whatever it is what it is musk is rich i think that's the uh, takeaway yeah i think yeah i think that's the thing. And, and then speaking of power plays though how about how about nicole Jokic? oh yeah so we're back on the nba and we wanted to touch on this little piece before uh, before we dove into the NFL draft. I think the Nuggets posted it on TikTok, Jared. Let me find the link here. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they didn't, but I swear I saw... 
This girl, Katie Wingy. Yeah. Okay. All right. I've been seeing people go crazy over this, Nicole. All right. So here's the TikTok, Jared. I'm gonna screen. I'm gonna screen share with you real quick. Can you see that? All right, can you hear this? I have been seeing people go crazy over this Nikola Jokic clip, and rightfully so. He clearly calls out that the Warriors are going to be looking for a lob in this side out-of-bounds play. But he wasn't the only one that knew that this was a potential scenario. The entire Nuggets team had watched this exact play earlier. Okay, so let me explain. This game is from the regular season, Indiana and Golden State in overtime, and that's the exact same play the Warriors tried to run against the Nuggets. Here, Andrew Wiggins, lob up, and he gets a tip in. Nikola Jokic joked after the game that the Nuggets might watch the most film out of any team in the entire NBA. And then Monte Morris postgame specifically mentioned that clip, that Pacer Warriors clip, as something the Nuggets had watched in preparation for this playoff series. So the Nuggets, great job scouting. They knew what was potentially going to happen, and then they covered it perfectly, switching and communicating through. No, but really, in particular, Austin Rivers. Watch the way he switches on to Andrew Wiggins here and then gets positioning to prevent the lob and gets yeah. the steal. A huge defensive play for the Nuggets. Yeah, so you can tell, those of you listening to the podcast, you can't actually see the play, but if you if you do see that TikTok or whatever, Katie Wingy, uh is a Nuggets reporter, and she put that video up that was her talking but in the play you can see austin rivers was just not caught off guard at all there's not even a little bit like he knew 100 percent that's the type of play that they were going to run and even more so before the play she mentioned nicole Jokic. he's in the bench that michael malone the nuggets head coach subbed him out for defensive purposes because he probably knew they probably knew that this was the play they're going to run and no offense to uh nicole Jokic, great nba player probably the mvp not the most vertically gifted guy in the NBA and the most defensive, uh, defensively efficient player in the NBA. So they subbed him out and Jokic on the bench was like, Hey, and you could see him pointing kind of just generally signaling like, Hey, this is that fucking lob play that we watched on film. And then Austin rivers, like she mentioned, switched and Andrew Wiggins, they lobbed it in. He knocked the ball down. And I think Jared, when that type of shit happens, it's about Jokic. But more specifically, in any sport, when you hear a guy like call a play out or or jump a route or jump a like another great example, like Malcolm Butler in the Super Bowl for the Patriots against the Seahawks, he jumps the route, gets the interception and wins the Super Bowl for the Patriots. In the Super Bowl film after that, after that Super Bowl, Bill Belichick was literally and Butler both said, yeah, we practiced that. And we knew that's a play that they run. Pick play, the slants where the slot guy goes in outside, uh, slot receiver, the, uh, the slot guy goes outside, the outside receiver cuts inside. It's a pick play that's designed to get the DBs to bump, you know rub off of each other, and the guy, one of the guys will be open. Malcolm Butler was literally like, we practiced that. We knew it was coming. And I think that's like the most impressive thing when – I don't know when a base runner steals a base and gets like an incredible jump or like Albert Pujols will steal a base or some big fat guy. And it's like, he just reads the pitcher or he, or the NBA guys read the inbound play. They're like, Oh, it's the lob play or the NFL DBs are like, Oh, this is the play there. This is the pass play they're running. Like 
that to me is so impressive because I just don't have enough faith in myself, I think, to be like, oh, this is the play they're running. Because in the back of my head, I'm going to be like, what if it isn't? What if it isn't? And then I get burned on some other thing. But I don't know. I think I thought it was really just like impressive play. And Austin Rivers, everyone was like, wow, amazing play. Intercepted the inbounds pass. But there's no way he doesn't make there's no way he makes that play unless he's not fully anticipating by yeah. just film well, preparation. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's just uh, it's just like real professional shit. Yeah, and like, like that's are, professional guys are, guys sports. Are, guys are in there buying in, and like I know, like it's probably to that like average viewer, and even like to me, my sometimes, sometimes it looks like you're out there and like it's hard to even realize that they're running plays in basketball because a lot of times, yeah. especially with like ISO teams, you'll just see the guy just go up and dribble and do a take, you know, and like it's a, it's an ISO play, which usually even like in in that type of situation the floor will be spaced for him to have that ISO play. So a lot of times, like there's like little things that people don't appreciate. Like I know that I, I, I don't love the shit, like the shift exactly, you know, but like, it's little things like that where like a player's in the right spot makes that jump, you know, uh, a corner, a corner undercuts a route, like you said, or in this, this situation, the whole team looks like they knew what play was coming. And it's like, you know how many like plays and like little random freelancing type of basketball, like shit happens throughout the season to be able to just like, look at it and be like, Oh, like this is one of the three plays they run in crunch time or, or whatever that number is. Right. And be able to execute and stop it to win a game, like in the playoffs and give the nuggets at least another chance which who knows like what happens yeah like what happens if the nuggets come back and win the series like it's not gonna happen but statistically speaking it, it's never happened but if they come back and win there might be other plays throughout the series that would determine that the series win for the for the warriors the warriors are playing the nuggets in golden state uh, golden state is a favored by like 10 points whatever but if they come back and miraculously win the series that's gonna be the play like that's the play would be like, holy shit, like we won the series and we don't without that play, you know? So I think that shit's yeah. just really impressive and it's cool. And preparation like that always just like that. You ever seen and that just, one video, Jared, where it was uh, where it was Cam Newton was playing quarterback for the Panthers and they were playing Clay Matthews, the Packers. And uh-huh. Cam Newton comes up, lines up in the offset uh, eye or whatever, shotgun. He's got uh McCaffrey to McCaffrey. his right McCaffrey to his right and Clay Matthews is across the line at linebacker and Clay Matthews comes up the line and he's like it's that wheel route it's their wheel route and so like he sees the defense or the offense line up and he sees right away that it's a wheel route and that was the play and then Cam Newton I don't know he said something uh, he's like, what? he goes oh, oh he goes oh yeah what's this yeah and, then he, and he, he, and he like he must dime. have but yeah. he must have uh called an audible because it was the wheel route play initially but but McCaffrey was but McCaffrey, I don't know if it was a, a wheel or not though, because it was kind of a wheel because he. No, I don't know what they call so it a wheel or it an angle. was it was gonna be a wheel, but he audibled out of oh, it, and so, so Cam Newton, route. yeah, so Cam Newton said, "Oh, that's he says, oh, you've been watching film, huh?" And because Cam and Clay Matthews called the play out, and he was like, "It's a wheel route, it's a wheel route," and he goes, "Oh, you've been watching film, huh?" And he's like, "That's cool, watch this, ready," and he like gets under center, and after he. I mean, I don't know if he tapped McCaffrey or McCaffrey, like, you know, he must have said something to him or something because he went out for the wheel route and then cut back in on the angle across the middle and caught it for a touchdown. And it was like a really funny exchange or whatever. 
But even then, Cam Newton was like, yeah, you've been watching film. Like, you fucking knew what our play was. And, like, I got to change it now. You know? And it's like, you see guys will jump over the line of scrimmage and, like, jump snaps and shit, too. Or Von Miller, to some extent. Like, these guys timing up snap counts because they know what a certain, like, lining up with a run play. Or, I don't know. It's just that shit always just impresses me when you see a guy just blow a play up or make a like a play that almost seems yeah. like he knew it was coming it's usually because he did know what the fuck was coming he was so prepared and it's the fight it's the yeah. other way around like these other all-time great quarterbacks peyton manning and tom brady and all these guys people think they're just like really good at throwing the ball and like they people know that they're really smart but i think even those guys get underestimated to a certain extent about like tom brady in any given game will line up as the quarterback and just by looking at not only the defensive alignment, but the pressure, like the angles of the bodies of the linemen and like the linebackers are leaning forward a little bit more. So this guy's coming, but this guy's staying back or they're both want to say they're coming, but you can tell by how their eyes are looking around that they're actually going to fake the blitz and drop back into coverage. Like, and of course he doesn't do it perfectly on every play, but these guys are so prepared that they'll call a run play the guys will line up out wide and it doesn't look like they're going to bring any pressure but they know that the pressure's coming and they audible out of the run play into a pass and all of a sudden there's a corner blitz and you got two guys open eight yards down the field on the side like it's just that shit it fucking fires me up because it's so sick it's so so sick and it's like it's like 10 it's like a 10 second moment of the game where like you, you as the fan, just drinking be beer, phone, yeah, you, just fucking. You, you look up and you go, ah, oh, he completed a pass. Oh, yeah. It's like you don't, re- you don't realize that he just saw something audible Dude, out another... of it, and then, and then executed the timing of it as well. They said that like I was reading an uh, article actually about Richard, uh, Richard Sherman talking about Tom Brady, talking about Tom Brady's so intense and the game moves so he's so prepared that that like in any situation he knows what to do and like Tom Brady a lot of times is like like he looks like he's being impatient for the receiver to get where he wants him to be. Cause yeah, he yeah. knows where he's he already to ready to, to make the, yeah, because the play, the play is moving slow for him. And they say Aaron Rodgers is the same way. Aaron Rodgers says that he like before, like breaks down and mentally visualizes every single play and every single thing that could happen and what he would do in each situation before a game. So that way when it happens, it's like fucking deja vu and he knows what to do. Yeah. So the other yeah, play, it's, it's just badass. The other play too, Jared, that always, that blew my mind and the coaches. So, it was the 2016 college football national championship, Alabama, Georgia. Tua comes in at halftime to replace Jalen Hurts because Jalen Hurts couldn't get anything done. They go to overtime in that game. It was like 20, uh, 23-23 or something like that. And Georgia had just kicked the field goal to take the lead. So Alabama needs to score at least a field goal, if not a touchdown. Field goal to extend it, touchdown to win. Tua takes the first snap, Jared, of the second overtime period, scrambles, spins around, tries to make a play, and gets sacked for a 16-yard loss. So it's second and 26 for Alabama. And he's a freshman. He's a fucking 18-year-old kid playing quarterback. But he is so prepared and so ready for that situation that he calls a – I don't know what the play would be, but he's got three receivers to his right, one to his left – and the one receiver to his left was Devontae Smith, now NFL star. But he was also a freshman. And he, Jared, they played, if you can picture it, the defense for Georgia had two safeties deep. Okay? Two safeties deep. He had a linebacker on the inside slot receiver, the corner on the outside guy, and then the corner on the left guy. 
and Devontae Smith gets a great break off the line of scrimmage, and he gets past the corner, but that's designed. The corner lets him go on purpose because the corner on the left side is defensively prepared for help behind him. He has the safety over his left shoulder that's going to help with getting burned by Devontae Smith. Tua takes the snap, and he knows that that's happening. And he looks right and looks right and looks right and looks right. And the safety that's supposed to help on the left side of the field slowly drifts over to the right, the middle of the field, and he never gets in uh, to the outside of the left hash. And so Tua looks right, looks right, doesn't even look left to see where the receiver is, just turns his shoulders and just just launches a ball down the field into the breadbasket. And Devontae Smith catches it, game over, they win, you know, the rest is history. But specifically, that play was impressive because you're like, oh, you can see him look off the receiver. And even I think it was like Kirk Herbstreet calling the game. He was like, look at him, look off the safety, keep his eyes to the right and fire it left. And the funniest thing, Jared, is every year for the national championship in football, they do a coach's broadcast that's on like ESPN2 or ESPN News. And it's got like a table, a circular table with 10 coaches from around college football. And they all watch the game and break it down in real time because they're all smart college coaches. And uh, that play happened. Tua looks right, throws it deep. And they're like, oh, God, it won the game. Like, what a throw. And then they show as they like as the guy catches the ball and Devontae Smith catches it, all the coaches are like, oh, Yep, safety never got off the hash mark. He looked them off. What a, like an unbelievable frame of mind and presence. And they, they were all of them were so impressed. And they're like, for a true freshman to be prepared enough to know that it's too deep safety was three three receivers to the right, and that all he has to do is look them off to the right, keep his shoulders turned and his eyes in this direction, and then flip his body and throw it to the left side in a perfect spot. It that shit just always blows my mind. And so much more shit goes into just like Austin Rivers jumping up and batting a ball away. Like he was prepared. Yeah. He spent hours in the film room going over every potential possible situation. And it comes up and they were prepared for it. Jokic says, This is the fucking lob pass in you know, inside to Wiggins. Rivers reads it, switches on defense, jumps up and blocks it. And like it's just that shit always fascinates me because, like you said, it makes it professional like that's why they are professionals not just yeah. fucking around on the court you know what i mean yeah so. ex- exactly it's like it's the things that you don't really realize yeah. but so anyway uh, yeah speaking of college national championship and yeah Devontae smith and those guys nfl let's jump right yeah. let's, let's jump into the nfl draft which, the draft yeah we, well, we right, initial thoughts ryan initial thoughts uh, on the draft. initial thoughts on the draft um Probably one of the, for me personally, this draft, this NFL draft is one of the least excited drafts I've ever been alive for. I am just not excited for this draft. I am not incredibly impressed by any of the projected top 10 even first round picks, none of them to me stand out as franchise changing talent. None of like almost none of them, if not well, literally none of them. I don't know. I think, I think guys like, I, I think some of those, the pass rushers, like we've talked about, but it's just, here's the thing is we don't have, we don't, we don't have, 
we don't have like the sexy the sexy positions up high as much. I know the edge rushers are actually they're actually becoming a, a sexier position. So yeah, it's but, like we don't have. But think about the edge rushers like, like like Jared. Think about the number one overall edge rushers that Aiden. have gotten drafted compared to Aiden Hutchinson, Jadavion Clowney, Miles Garrett, yeah, but like Aiden, Von but Miller, Aiden was a top pick. Sick. Okay, but Aiden Hutchinson's sick. But he's yeah, he's not. But he's he's, he's not he's not like Miles Garrett exciting. Okay, this mock draft I'm looking at on NFL.com literally right now, Jared. It has oh shit. One of them. It has Aiden Hutchinson listed as one one to the Jags. And the first sentence says, "This is simple. Aiden Hutchinson is the safest pick in this draft." That doesn't say Aiden Hutchinson is the most explosive, elite, blah 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 player. Like everyone knows he's really good. But I don't know. I just it, even certain guys like like Joey Bosa or Nick Bosa or other top pass rush guys that came into the league. They just none of these guys impressed me. And none of them, by the way, except for some of the Georgia defensive guys, were part of any significant contribution. I mean, I guess Garrett Wilson, the re receiver for Garrett for Ohio State. But the rest of these guys, like, I don't know. The other guys, I would say, okay, so here, here, here's my breakdown, Jared. The first round of this draft is going to be defensively dominated. Dominated. This is a projected mock draft from uh, Rhett Lewis. So I don't know if it's 100% accurate. I don't know the full details. I know how good Rhett Lewis is at mock drafts. But I'd imagine this is probably as close as it's going to get, especially two days before uh, the article was posted yesterday Aiden Hutchinson first defense Trayvon Walker defensive lineman for, to second pick Jermaine Johnson edge rusher third pick Garrett Wilson's a receiver and then you got uh Icky Ekwanu offensive tackle so you're going to see in this first round defensive players and offensive tackles and then you sprinkle in a receiver sprinkle in a quarterback Garrett Wilson's a, a receiver blah 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 Icky and then Kenny Pickett, number six, quarterback. Let me just count the number of defensive picks in this first round, Jared. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. 17 of the first 32 picks projected are defensive players. Then you have, I think, four quarterbacks and four receivers. And then three offensive linemen. The point is, this draft is not going to be sexy. It's not going to be electric. It's not going to be exciting. It's not going to feature many, if any, players that are going to be franchise transforming. Here's, here's my thought on it. Here's the one thing I do like about it is that although it's not sexy, it opens the door for like the surprise effect for one of the, one of the players that comes out low. Uh, up, he's got low expectations. He, he up, yeah, yeah. Or he ends up being a first rounder and you don't know his name and he ends up balling in the NFL. I just don't think you have like the, like, the names just don't feel as big as they normally are. 
like i'll tell you right now the, jared like i think of, I, I always think back to like i think back to like the classes like where deshaun watson was there or you know, lamar jackson was there you know or you know it was lamar jack were they they weren't in the same class were they who i don't think they were lamar jackson and and deshaun were not in the same class were they no lamar no. is his no. couple years later yeah yeah but but like you know what i mean it's like it's like uh I, there's players like if you go to any draft though and you and you and you just start scrolling through you'll run into like a you'll run into a player that's like maybe not like a all-time like franchise von like like you said like von miller type joey bosa style miles garrett type of guy but that's like like almost a face of the franchise guy but if you go to any draft and you just start scrolling down like you can like look here and it's like here's cooper cup in the third round out of eastern washington no i it's get like, it a guy like that we're gonna we're gonna have we're gonna have like a handful of those guys that are like really good um no i get it I, mean, I just I hear okay, I get I get what you're saying, but like hear me out on this. Last year the Jags had the first pick. They took Trevor Lawrence, right? You take Trevor Lawrence, that's a pick where you're like he could change the franchise. And I know quarterback's a huge position, but going through this mock draft, Aiden Hutchinson to the Jags, will that change the Jaguars' foreseeable projected last place finish? Yes or no? Well, J- well, Aiden Hutchinson changed the no, Jacksonville. No. no. Yeah, but that's that's okay. Uh, okay, but that's my you're comparing point. Comparing a defense, but you're comparing a defensive like. Okay, but like, that's I, I, but basically, Trayvon basically Walker to the Lions. Is he going to change okay, the but, Lions' projection? Okay, but on, so so basically, what what you're saying is there's no quarterbacks because like no, running backs aren't that because... way either. Receive, receivers a lot of times aren't that way. Basically, the only play, the only position that's gonna, that can, is going to change the projection is a, a, usually if they get a, a quarterback. There's not a lot or, of times where you get a, a running back or a receiver where you go, oh, it's going to win us fucking three more games. I, okay, I agree, except if you're the New York Giants in this draft because the New York Giants have the fifth pick and the seventh pick, and they have to do something with those picks. They have to do something. They have projected in this mock draft, Icky Ekwanu, the NC State offensive tackle. He needs – they need offensive tackle help. They need help. They need to help Daniel Jones. They need to help Saquon Barkley. And the next pick, by the way, Jared, if you want to talk about, uh, like we say, quote unquote, no name guys in this draft. If you get drafted in the first round as a defensive back and your name is Sauce Gardner, you better be, you better be a lockdown corner in the NFL. If your name is Sauce and if there's no alternate, like there's no alterations to the spelling, S A U C E, Sauce Gardner. <laughs> that is unbelievable. And I can only imagine with the creativity of the world and the internet this in 2022. I mean, like you have to know, right? When his he makes his name's, his name's Ahmad. No, his name's Sauce. It's, it's Ahmad Sauce Gardner. Okay, but dude, like, even his middle name is Sauce. Yeah. No, it's Ahmad. Just imagine, Jared, it's, right? It's Ahmad, it's Ahmad Sauce Gardner. Imagine, Jared, not, the first interception. His first interception, the tweet from the, the team that has him, he's got the sauce. Like, you know, it's so... I'm, 
I'm fucking. I'm not. I'm not even looking forward to it. Actually, I actually resent the fact that there's going to be some stupid fucking social media manager that thinks he's <laughs> that thinks he's putting the play on words out there. Well, okay, but you, you have Jared, to. Okay, you got to play with. Okay, gotta, but Jared, here's play with the sounds. Here's here's my point. Here's my point. There's a lot of really shitty teams in this first ten picks. Okay, and we talk about it's not sexy, but sometimes these not sexy picks can actually, like you mentioned, transform a franchise. The Giants have picks five and seven. The New York Jets have pick four and ten. Uh, the Falcons have pick eight without a quarterback. The Panthers have pick six without a quarterback. Uh, the Detroit Lions have pick number two after getting rid of uh, Matthew Stafford. The Eagles have pick 15. When the last time they had a pick that high, Jared, they took uh, uh, what's-his-face, uh, the receiver, over Justin Jefferson. Um Who's the rookie uh, or the, you know, what I'm talking about J- Jalen Rager, Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson. Like you can't make that kind of mistake they, again. They, you know what I mean? You the can't. Eagles, the Eagles just, yeah, they, they, uh, I think uh, what's more important, they, they beat themselves. What's mo- most impressive. I think Jared about this draft is I think Georgia has, uh, I think four got three or four guys, depending on the mock draft just from their defense this year going in the first round three or four guys from their defense this season going in the first round that is fucked that is completely fucked up uh here's a question for you jared serious question the lions have this 32nd pick and the second pick it's projecting them to take a defensive guy with the second pick and then sam howell quarterback from unc as their 32nd pick i guess the quarterbacks aren't deep enough because i was going to ask should they take a quarterback at number two or are there any quarterbacks good enough to go number two overall i don't know i think i think the thing the the thing with quarterbacks this year is like you basically when you i think when i looked at when you when you look at the the list of top guys by position that like you don't have to spend a number two pick to get one of them. For sure. If worst comes worst comes to worst, if you really want a guy and you're scared that he's gonna trade go, up, you, you you trade up a little bit. But like, I don't know. Like, like, let's see. I, which actually brings me to, um, sorry, look at the top players by position. But, um, what actually brings me to one of my sleepers that I want that I think is could be really good. As far as a player, and, yeah, who in, in this draft, and and it's not like it's not one of like the top. Uh, it's it's Carson Strong, the quarterback from uh, Nevada. Is he nasty? Yeah, he was. He's good. It's just like it, it's. I just I don't know. I just have I just I, I watched him. I ended up watching them a, a few times this year, and I don't think he had the year that he was uh, hyped up to have. But I feel like. I feel like there's a chance. Like he he might be a let's see. Oh yeah, no, he went off. He threw he completed 70% of his passes for 4,000 yards, 36 touchdowns, eight picks. This last year. It's pretty good. But he's a mountain he's a mountain west guy, you know. But I just have a this uh this article I have written, by the way. These are the it's a, scouts God, earning their dude. This is an article by <laughs> Maurice Jones Drew. He wrote this article. These are his picks MJ. for MJD baby. 
he wrote these picks. These are his, this is his first round. Okay. Number one to Jacksonville, Trayvon Walker. Number two, Aiden Hutchinson to the Lions. Kayvon Thibodeau, three to the Texans. Sauce, fourth to the Jets, corner from Cincinnati. Iki Ikwanu, fifth. And then he goes Pickett, six to the Panthers. Jermaine Johnson, seven, a linebacker, edge rusher from uh, Florida State. And then he has Malik Willis, eight, Desmond Ritter, nine, Matt Corral, ten. He has three quarterbacks going in a row to Atlanta, Seattle, and New Orleans. I mean, I know that doesn't, like, it's just kind of like whatever. But maybe, like, Maurice Jones-Drew knows more than these fucking chumps that have never played sports in their entire lives and have a fucking body mass index of 33. You know, like, dude, Maurice Jones-Drew is probably like, fuck, I would take these guys. You know, like, he's got Jamison Williams as the first receiver off the board at 11. I don't know. Maybe... Dude, listen, nobody fucking knows anything, but it's going to be fun to talk about it after, our, you know, in our next episode to yeah. talk about where these guys go and, and, and everything. Also, also, you should only ever watch the first round. You should never watch this. Just, Second Bill round Burr is... A, Bill, Bill Burr has... You should you could pay attention to who's getting picked, but Bill Burr has a good... Uh, the first round is where the juice is at. Second round, you're like, okay, like that's cool. I, I remember him. But, like, Bill Burr has a really good... Uh, bit about watching the draft and how how watching the draft is a fucking loser ass thing to do. He's like, it's like going to a graduation where you don't know anybody, and then just sitting there. He's like, dude, they're gonna have a whole list the next day. He, he makes fun of he makes fun of like people talking about like, yeah, but we need to re- sure we need to sure up the offensive line. I get it. It is kind of I I actually do enjoy. I've always enjoyed watching the first round. I, think I remember how electric. Long. Remember how electric the NFL draft was when uh, when. It's always the same shit. Wait, what like, happened last? Like, Wait, am I skipping yeah. an NFL draft? Who was last the last year? That's when the Broncos got uh, uh, Patrick Sertain last year. Who was the first or, pick last year? Yeah. Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence. I, so, right? I guess. Yeah. Was that during COVID or what? Like... What was the draft during COVID? Was it 2020? It was 2020. Um, I don't... 2020. Oh, Joe Burrow went in that draft. That's why I was confused. Joe Burrow went first overall, and then Jamar Ch- or Chase Young, Jeff. O- God, some of these these are bad picks, Jared. Wow, I don't even want to go through this. We'd go on this for fucking. Holy shit, Justin Tua Tagovailoa before Justin Herbert in this draft. That's bad. Anyways, all right. That's going to wrap up this episode, guys. We appreciate you guys sticking around for the whole thing. If you did towards the end, be sure to follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all of the the good ones. Subscribe on YouTube. Follow the uh, podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, whatever you're listening to. Check us out on Patreon for exclusive content. Download SeatGeek. Use code PhenomFam for $20 off your first order. Check out our merch. We got all kinds of dope shit. We're going to have more dope shit more designs that's going to be customized and specified to your particular area. And uh, otherwise we'll catch you guys on the flip side. Jared, it's been a pleasure talking lifestyle and sports. We'll rip some baseball on the between the stitches show. If that's what you're more into, we appreciate you guys tuning in. We will catch you guys on episode 24. Jared. Ciao. (laughs) Adios. We'll catch you guys later.